the optimal life. So, Dietra, thanks for doing this uh, emergency podcast last minute. Um, I saw that you had recently, thankfully, gotten out of Israel. You were one, on one of the last planes to leave the country before they really started shutting down right after the horrific attacks from uh, Hamas terrorists. Take us back to that day. Where were you? What was going on? Yes. Thanks, Nate. It's a pleasure to be here with you and uh, talk to the people about Israel. Um, I had been there for uh, about 10 days working. Well, not really working, but just helping with uh, the setup for a Feast of Tabernacles celebration through the ICEJ, which is the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. It's an old organization there that... um, tries to show uh, love and support for the for Israel and for her people through a Christian venue, but uh, they are not there to proselytize. They are there to support and love the people of Israel. And we had this uh, five, six-day feast celebration. And uh, the morning of the attacks, I was packing to head back about midnight that night. Uh, and we had our Thank you to all the people that had helped celebration, a barbecue that they had scheduled for us at one of the kibbutz. And we were there getting ready to go to that about 1030 when the bombs uh, alarms went off. And of course, we knew just because we were in Israel and knew a little bit about the land, we knew what that was. And they announced over the uh, hostels intercom that uh, for us to head to the shelter right away. Um. What we experienced was probably a lot different than the majority of people would experience just because of the people that were part of this immediate place that we were. Uh, In this hostel were many of the people who had come to help with the feast, and uh, they are Christians from around the world. We had 80 different countries represented. And so... um, we now, let me just ask. Let me just stop. Let me just stop you. I'm sorry, Deidre. No so problem. you're saying that you're at the you're there to celebrate uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is also referred to as Sukkot yes. uh, in Israel and in the Jewish religion. You guys were there for uh, a 10 day mission um, to be there to support Israel, to support other religions. You were there with a Christian group, but you were there in support to show solidarity, just to celebrate uh, this feast and the Israeli people, I take it. And yes. you said you were there with a, a group of, there was a lot of religions represented. Everyone's there to get along. Everyone's having a good time. When you say that you're on the last day, is that 1030? When you said 1030, was that PM or AM? That's AM in Israel. 1030 yes. AM in Israel. Okay. So yeah, you're. It was, it was about eight, I think maybe around 830 when the actual bomb alarm. We were supposed to leave the place at 1030 to head to the kibbutz for the barbecue. Okay. And when you say kibbutz, explain what exactly is that for people that don't know. Uh, A kibbutz is a, a, you can probably explain that better than I can, Nate. Uh, But it's a community of people that they work together. They, uh, it's like a little city of its own, like one big family, but they may not all be actual family members. bloodline but they work together they support one another and they're a beautiful um, example of living together in peace and harmony from what everything i can tell i've only been to i think three of them over the course of my time 
and uh, they were all beautifully kept and run and so gracious, kind, mm-hmm. peaceful places where you can actually breathe deep and relax in these places. They are uh, calm and and lovely. So, so you had a a really joyous experience. It sounds like for the first the entire trip, essentially, before the last day, you had yes. this beautiful experience. You're in harmony with all different groups of people, the Israelis, the Jews, Christians, other religions, countries represented. You experienced this Feast of the Tabernacles, just a real, it sounded like a real harmonious uh, situation and experience for you. Yes, it was. And then at 8.30 in the morning, on your last day, that harmonious feeling takes a quick 180, flips a switch, and then you say all of a sudden there's bomb alarms going off. Yes. Yes. What's and your reaction? Would you even know what that like? What does that sound like? And what was your initial reaction to that? Well, the first thing we heard was the alarm itself. We didn't hear any explosions or anything. And so apparently uh, I'm not an expert on this part of it, but apparently they have maybe 15, 20 seconds from the time the alarm goes off until they need to be in the shelter. And so what happened was the alarm went off. My roommate and I looked at one another and just kind of nodded and headed for the door. We were uh, two flights up from the bomb shelter. So we immediately went to the stairs. There was no um, panic at all. And there were there were but the the uh, hostel we were staying in, the Rabin, Yitchek Rabin hostel was full at that to capacity at that point. And many of the people in our hostel were actually soldiers, young new soldiers who were there for training. And um, they had already gone for the day by the time the alarm sounded but for their training. But um, the rest of us just headed down the stairs. Quite a number of our uh, quite a number of our people had already left the night before. So I guess it wasn't totally full at that point um, since the feast was over. Friday. So a number of our people had Friday night flights. In fact, my original flight was scheduled for Friday night around midnight. And I changed it so I could be there for the barbecue uh, and the last gathering of the of the volunteers that could could stay and enjoy that time together. Mm. Uh, So uh, I should have been home if I hadn't spent an extra hundred dollars to change my flight. Uh, I'm thankful I did, though. I I wouldn't. Uh, I told my my son, a pastor in New York City. I I told him uh, I wouldn't trade the experience for a billion dollars, and he said, "Mom, that's really selfish." <laughs> and so I'm sure he was hoping for an inheritance from that billion if somebody would trade with me. But you wouldn't trade the experience that you went through being there for a billion dollars. Why? No. Um, Anytime we go through a, I I don't want to use the word traumatic because for me personally, it was not traumatic. Uh, And I'll explain that in a little bit. But anytime we go through an unusual crisis type situation, I think we can learn a whole lot from ourselves, from our reactions to it. We can learn a whole lot from the people around us. And sometimes you get a glimpse into even their heartbeat by their reactions to the issues that you're facing. And so um, 
I can understand PTSD a little bit better now. I can't understand it really because I've never had it. But there's a a, a deeper measure of something within me that can sympathize and empathize with that now just because of going through what potentially could have been some very different results coming mm. from all of this. And so so go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, n- knowing knowing this and being able to share just a even a tiny bit of the trauma and the experiences and the life that our precious Israeli brothers and sisters live is is worth the world to me. It it it's something you can't buy with a billion dollars mm. to understand someone's point of view from a deeper perspective. And so I think it's uh, when the cannon went off at the football game last Friday night, it was a bomb for me. It, it brought those feelings back of hearing the bombs explode. And it was just a cannon at a little, at a high school football game that my husband and I went to, but it brought Israel back to mind. And it brought what they're going through, what the people are experiencing. It made it real again. And I don't think I'll ever hear a loud backfire from a car or anything else like that without thinking of Israel and saying a prayer for their protection and for their wisdom and uh, for God's grace to hover over them at all times. Not that we don't want God's grace to hover over all people. But when a people is abused for no reason, something needs to change. Mm. And uh, if if we individually can be a part of the change, then the change will be more global. No doubt you know, about we it. We have to change one at a time. So you hear the so when you hear the alarms going off, did you already hear bombs, or when does the bomb? When do you start hearing the the, the noises from the bombs? We had made it to the shelter, so it must have been 20 to 30 seconds uh, at least. We were fairly close to the elevator and the stairs. Of course, we took the stairs. Um, And so we just went down two flights and uh, into the shelter right around the corner. So it was a quick trip. And then we could hear. And actually, what we heard first was um, almost assuredly was the Iron Dome intercepting. The missiles mm. because what we heard was more like a um a roman candle you know how you hold those up and they and that's kind of the sound we heard we didn't hear uh buildings falling or things hitting concrete or any of that and so we knew that there were missiles incoming but we the didn't so- the hear sounds were very min- the sounds were minute my minute they were kind of yes. muted a little bit. Okay. And they were it would be muted because we were in the shelter also. Sure. But in the shelter with us uh, were, uh, in our particular part of it, were um, filled with other people that had been there to celebrate the feast. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Lost so, Dito, let me ask you, I, I, want, I want to get into the psyche. You get into the shelter. It takes you not very long. You know immediately. You're just... You, when you hear the alarm, I'm trying to understand how a person like you, who's not familiar with this kind of lifestyle, would react to something like this. You hear alarms and you say it's very calm and everyone just kind of flows into a bomb shelter. Is that correct? Yes. It's okay. I mean, there, and then, and then you. 
There was a look you, of concern on people's face, but there was not terror or panic. There was not people screaming. There was no horrific acts. It was just almost business as usual. We're nervous, but we're going to get inside. You get inside the shelter. How many people are in this one shelter, do you think? In our area, there were, I would say, 70 maybe people in there. 70 people. Most of them you didn't know. Most of them I did know by sight. They were a part of our um, our helping group that helped ah. with the feast celebration. Okay. So, and, and these would have been Christians who came because they love the Lord and they love Israel. And uh, so that was their mind uh, mindset when they came. Uh, Nate, I knew before I went that there was a possibility this could happen. If we've studied Israel at all, we know that this could happen at any point in time. So before I went, uh, I had already settled that if this happens, then it's only because God's allowed me to be there that time. I'm one of those weird people that believes that God orchestrates our lives and, and controls them. But the people were there because they chose to be with Israel. And yes. I think most of them, many of these were very young people. But Dietra, there's uh, a difference between knowing that the possibility could happen and then actually living it. And you, yes. And you, you actually, right. right. And you actually live this. So you're now in this bomb shelter after this beautiful week. You're almost ready to, you should have already been gone by now. You, you're ready to leave. And now you're in this bomb shelter with 70, we'll call it 70 strangers, essentially, who, you guys are all, I mean, there has to be thoughts in your mind going, oh, my God, is this it? Is this how it's going to end for me? Um, I know it's hard to believe, but actually those kinds of thoughts weren't in my mind at the time. Mine were, my thoughts were actually, it's okay, whatever happens. Uh, because as I said, I'd already settled that issue beforehand. Lord, if if I'm going to die and it's going to be in Israel, then I counted a blessing. And and I know that sounds weird, but that's that. I mean, you know, we're here to talk about the truth. Now, in the bomb shelter next to us, there the other room of that bomb shelter is where those who the the Jews who were there, most of them I think Orthodox Jews who were there in that hostel that night, had been there because of the Sabbath. So they were uh, staying the weekend there, as so many of the families do. They just move into the hostel over or the hotel or wherever they're going overnight uh, and stay through the Sabbath. And so many of them were there that morning. And so the second or third third time, I believe that the, we would go back and forth. Uh, if you hear the alarm, it stops 10 minutes later. If it's not going off, you're free to leave. So we did the little 10 minute back and forth back and forth uh, every time the alarms would sound. I don't remember how many times I think I'm thinking it was five over the course of the morning. Mm. And so in this additional area, which had a, a lattice partition between the room, the Orthodox men were in one side praying and the women and children were in the other side. And the children were all very quiet. I, I don't recall I don't think I ever heard one of them cry. And it was a very somber, uh, very, almost a difficult scene because I was sitting there thinking, these are my fellow 
humans, and they live this. This is not uncommon for them. This is the first time for me to be in a bomb shelter knowing that there are missiles overhead. But this is their life, and they've had to adjust to it. And I understand that PTSD is one of the most common problems that the people of Israel have, their, their children and the adults, simply because of this. And yet they choose that life, that country to live in. So it's been a hunger in my life to learn why and how they adjust and to just uh, be thankful that they're there fighting for their country and, and praying that God gives them victory over evil. Uh, we None of us, I think, want well, there are apparently some people that want to see other people dead, but most of us don't want to wish death or destruction upon another country or another people. It's the evil that some of them represent that needs to be annihilated. But some of the some of the most interesting, um, I guess you'd say, times were after. Uh, we left. Oh, did you have a question about? I just anything? want to understand when you're looking at those children, because that has got to be one of those moments that just makes you pause and, and almost have to catch your breath and, and try to put yes. this in perspective. These people from day one, the day that they come out the womb, this is the life. This is almost like those kids started praying as if they had done it before. This wasn't the first time that they felt like my life is in jeopardy. They, it seemed to me, based on your story, that this was probably a common thing for some of them, at least. And when you're standing there after living our lives, of course, here in the United States, what kind of feelings or perspective did that give you? Well, I'm a mother of three and a grandmother of seven. And I, I had to think about how my life would be different if I lived there with my children, especially when they were little. I thought about a story I'd read about a mother who um, had three children. The babe was in her arms and she was preparing dinner. And one child was in the backyard and one child had run out to the front yard to pick something up. And they have a bomb shelter the alarms went off and you have something like, I'm not sure exactly how many seconds, but let's say 20 to 30 seconds to gather everybody up, get them in the shelter, close the door for so for your safety. Which child do you go for first? Hmm. If they're scattered. And, and it's like asking a father, which son would you save if, Two of them were drowning, and you could only say one. It's a it's a gut wrenching situation, and you just thankfully we can say I don't have to make that choice, and and we can refuse to think about it. But if we're going to be a part of the global community, we need to understand that there are people dealing with this, and we need to uh, minister to them any way we can. Reach out to them with support and and thankfulness mm. that they're uh, that they've been preserved so far. Israel is such a miraculous nation. It's just no other nation's ever done what they've done. No nation has revived their original language uh, after so many years of not even knowing where it was coming from. Uh, there's just so many miracles that come from the nation of Israel with technology and medicine and 
you know, it's we only been around. It's only been a nation for 75 years, give or take. Yes. Uh, it's it's absolutely astonishing and, and incredible. It is a miracle. And um, a lot of people think when they go to Israel, they're going to see a, a nation desolate with the with the sheep herders at every corner and uh, deserts and barren land and children sitting on the corner with flies all over their face. It's a, such a modern, uh, beautiful technology field land. Uh, it, it's worthy of paying attention. So did you know, so when those bombs are going off and you guys are back and forth between the, wherever you were staying in the shelter, you said you would go up and then back down and then up and down. That's going on for how many hours at that point? Do you think that that's happening? Um, I, I was trying to, to think that through earlier. And I'm pretty sure that there were not any more sirens after noon. So it would have been okay. a, over the course of three to four hours at the most. Three to four hours now. Is that when the um, that the attack at that festival had already occurred at that point? Um, I don't think. I, I I'm not sure. I'm not, not sure, sure about that timeline. Okay. Yeah, because the festival uh, attack is happening. Almost, I think it happened it, it, about eight thirty, didn't it? In parallels with the uh, attacks from the rockets coming through, correct? I'm thinking it did. Now I would have to check that with the news media's and and things to be sure. Okay, so take us through. You finally, they stopped doing the bombs. And um, I believe that you ended up hearing from a, a mayor in the in the town nearby. Uh, um, talk to us about actually, that. I didn't actually hear from him, but uh, our, it, it filtered through our community that there was a, a, a gentleman that had spoken at one of the feast celebrations and it was a mayor from one of the the neighboring kibbutz and he had um he had said uh that we will do what we need to 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 keep israel alive israel lives and we will do what we need to and two days later he was in one of the kibbutz and he was slaughtered there uh, slaughtered, so, by, slaughtered on the ground, or was it was it a missile attack by the terrorist? The terrorist came in and actually physically yes, and and wiped out over a hundred in his kibbutz. And how far yeah, was his kibbutz from where you were staying? I don't know. I'm sorry. Don't don't know but, that. But this sure. gentle this gentleman who was the mayor of one of the nearby kibbutzes, who you guys had heard from or your group heard from during the week, during the festive week. Several days later, he had no idea that, that this was coming for him. Two days. Two days later, he was gone. He's gone. When you heard he that, what what did that what 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 kind of reaction do you have when you hear that? I I don't think we have a word in the English language to describe that kind of feeling because it's such a combination of pain and anguish and sorrow and um amazement um not in a good way of course um it, it i can't think of a word that describes that feeling it's not something that i hadn't quite experienced exactly before mm -hmm. uh it, it's hard to when you hear things like this and you hear about children being children being slaughtered and, and grandmas being kidnapped and 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 men being having their heads chopped off with a hoe when you hear those things there's, um, I don't know what it is. I'm not a psychologist, but there's something within you that doesn't want to believe it. And at the same time, cannot fathom 
how any person, any person in a human body could actually do that to another person. And when you're raised as I was in a, in a, a family where my mom and dad even liked each other. I mean, we had a really weird family. <laughs> we had five kids and, and yeah, we had the brother sister things once in a while, but nothing serious. And we were raised to be grateful and, and kind. Uh, and, and when you grow up and don't even believe that some of these things you read about, you're wondering where somebody's sick mind thought them up because they can't be true. Mm. And all of that's going through, um, all of that's going through your mind and your psyche at, at the same time. So it's it's a very complicated thing. I think uh, I'm one of those people that you want to have around in a crisis. I get through a crisis really, really good, and I can function well and, and get through it. But then um, then um, a month or two or three later, the reality of what it could have been or what it was begins to set in. Like when my father died, uh, I was the pillar, you know, but two months later when I'm by myself passing the cemetery, I fall apart. Mm. Um, what do you think it is about you, Deidre? When you say I'm the type of person you want around when there's a crisis, what is well, it about you? What? Why? Why do we want you? I guess because um, I see the immediate thing that needs to be done to get us through it without letting what could have happened. I'm not one to look at the past too much. I look at the present and the future more. And so it helps me be more objective and and see what other and, and I tend to focus on other people's needs. And it seems that the more I get my mind off myself, the happier I am. Mm. And uh so um, that's good. But then, you know, at some point, reality hits. And and I would just encourage all of your listeners, look at the people you deem the strong people in your life. They have needs, too. They need to be babied once in a while. And they may look like pillars of strength, but their heart breaks just like everybody else's. It just doesn't quite break in the same time frame as yours. Mm. Now, I wanted to share with you one thing that happened on my way to the airport. And it well, kind of before, under- before you before you get there real quick, I just want to ask you, because sure. you said you said that you're good at handling the crisis in the moment. But then two or three months later, and it's like, I need some time for myself because something happens and it triggers it. And now I'm in a in a tough spot mentally and emotionally. So how right. do you plan on handling that, Dietra, in 60 days from now? when the, the next bomb or, or a large loud noise goes off at the football game or anything that triggers these memories that you just experienced, how do you plan on handling that? That's a very good question. I see why you do these. <laughs> um, my plan for handling any crisis time is to turn to God. That's always my plan. That's the only way I make it through. And I found that I it's it's I, I'm more successful in handling these when I turn to him with praise, not a recounting of my pains and agony and difficulties, but just turning to him and and acknowledging he's God, he's still God, even though it, I might not feel like it at the time, but he's still there, and he's still my strength, 
and he has an overall plan. And it's, I, I would in, I encourage young people now when I get a chance, don't go out there and try to find yourself and worry about what is my purpose in life. Go and find what God's doing in the world today and be a part of it. Help solve the problems. Get your mind off yourself and quit thinking about me, me, me all the time because it only leads to depression. I'm not as pretty as others. I'm not as slender. I'm not as smart. I'm not as on and on and on. So if I focus on me, I'm never going to be happy or content. But if I focus on who he is and the fact that he does have an overall plan in this world and he will bring it to pass, even with man's interference, then it's uh, that's what gets me through the crisis time. That's that's beautifully stated. So tell us, because uh, I was going to ask you, you, you said you want to tell us a story about your voyage to the airport after this horrific scary experience take us back there what, what was right happening? well you know we're I'm, I'm thinking about all that's happened and of course we are aware that rockets could come and hit us and travel to the airports rockets could shoot the plane down those are those are realities of of potential things that could happen and so that's in the back of your mind and i think that the stress that's on you uh at this point if you're not letting it out physically then perhaps you're internalizing it a little more than you need to but uh we had a shuttle scheduled to take us to the airport it was uh to uh a, a chinese couple excuse me a japanese couple precious man and wife and uh another young lady and me and they're driving us to Ben Gurion Airport and the driver gets just out of the main part of the city and into where there are the lights and the and the you know world-class roads and all of that and he pulls over to the side and he is an Arab driver he is an Arabian so he pulls over to the side and we're like what's going on and so we're thinking hmm, are we about to be kidnapped are we about, he's going to get out and run from the car and we're going to blow up. You know, we're seeing all these NCIS scenarios because that's one of my favorite shows. So we're seeing these potential things out there and realizing they could happen. And he said, my car's giving me trouble. And he said, of course, with an with the Arab accent. And um, we said, well, what's going on? I looked around to the dash and I couldn't see anything blinking and see anything wrong. I looked over at my young friend and we kind of went, uh, hmm. So do we go berserk and panic and get out and run or do what do we do? And he said, I've called a friend and we'd heard him on the phone. We, I've called a friend and he's coming and he'll, he's five minutes. He's not even five minutes away. He'll be right here. So he keeps assuring us that everything's fine. And uh, again, we're, we're wondering what do we do? And and I could relate that then to people in the in the kibbutz in a I mean my own little limited way, they're there they're hearing gunfire they're hearing all what do we do, what do we do, and you're frozen you don't know whether to run to sit tight or what, so um, the the other gentleman pulls up behind us and and they get out and they're transferring the luggage as quickly as they can, and so we decide. Uh, we had called the lady who set up the shuttle. She said, I know this gentleman well. He's very trustworthy. Just relax. Everything will be fine. And so we did and got to the airport. Everything was fine. 
But again, it's a thing you can go back to and you can relive it and think, what if, what if things could have been so differently, Mm. turned out, turned out so differently. So uh, then we get to the airport. That's an interesting, that's an interesting thing, Deidre, because on one hand, you don't want to panic and almost offend this potentially innocent, most likely innocent driver. Right. And on the other hand, it's the. What if, God forbid, this is another terror type Mm -hmm. situation? And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, that's a tough situation. I'm sure you're going to replay that one for a while because while you got lucky, sometimes maybe it's best to overreact (laughs) and get out of Dodge. I mean, if you've got any inkling of potential harm, don't worry about offending people. I I know it's in, in the moment it's hard, but I've been there. I've been there, too. I've been there, too. Not 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 in Israel. But I've had those feelings even in a cab in New York City. Mm-hmm. Well, I have had those feelings in other situations like you state. And when I felt there was danger, and I have run. <laughs> but we both felt safe. And then when Irene had told us she knew this man personally for years, they had used him for transit for years, then we felt, uh, we both, we looked at each other and uh, said, we're okay. Sure. So I think we could feel the presence of uh, or the lack of the the presence of evil about to happen. And uh, sometimes that's just a, a gut feeling you have to act on and apologize later if you're wrong. <laughs> and, uh, right. you know, but yeah, it but, could at least, have been. but at least you're there to apologize later. Exactly. That's, exactly. that's the thing. That's the point. You get on the plane at Ben Gurion Airport. And your plane takes off. You're one of the last well, planes to leave. Let's back up. Let's back up a little. That was not so easy to do, okay. <laughs> getting on the plane and being Uh In the first place, our plane was overbooked. And at the la- and we were standing uh, probably 30, 40 minutes after we should have boarded. We were all standing in the waiting area. And this is a plane full and then some of people because there were no seats in the particular gate that we were at i don't know why but uh the the amazing thing about that time was i did not hear one grumble gripe fuss now you go to any airport and you have a plane delayed and you just take a little microphone and walk around and that's all you're gonna hear i can't believe they didn't can't do any better we need to load the plane blah 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 just all this bickering there was none of that with these hundreds of passengers, because this was a huge plane. And then 12 to 14 uh, flight attendants and pilots walked up. Their planes had been deadheaded, and they wanted to get on this plane and get back to the States. We were going to New York City, to uh, actually to New York International Airport. And uh, so had to go through my mind, okay, we're overbooked now. Are they going to bump me so they can get these flight attendants and uh, actually went through my mind. If I had thought, Nate, if I had thought in the least little bit that I could have been of help instead of just another problem within Israel, I would have given away my ticket and stayed. I wanted deep in my soul. I wanted to do something to help these people um, that were suffering so greatly. And by then we had heard about some of the, atrocities that had been committed but i felt like honestly felt like i would be more of an 
of a problem, an issue someone would have to deal with. Where would I stay? Where could I serve? How could I help? Or was I just another problem? Um, and so somehow they got 12 or 14 additional people. And I think everyone that was on standby on that plane, I don't know how they did it. I saw a picture this morning of a, a plane that they overloaded and the, some of the, the people from the states that wanted to go serve in the army, they slipped in the aisles. And I don't know if we had some in the aisles somewhere that I couldn't see or doubling up in the in the high price ticket area or where they were, but apparently they got us all on the on the flight. Now was this Friday evening? This was early Saturday. This was no, this was Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Okay. It was actually after midnight before we took off. Okay. So um and the the bomb when you were in the shelter, that was earlier in the day, Saturday morning. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So eight o'clock in the morning, the bombs, eight thirty, the bombs are are going off and the alarms. And then it was uh, so from eight thirty in the morning until uh, after midnight was the the big crisis time. So you getting out of there during this first twenty four hour crisis, but it was a long day, and you saw a lot of things in that very short period of time. My it question is. was, again, you're finally at the airport. You just told us the story about everyone waiting. You get on the plane. You fly away. Goodbye. I'm out of here safe. And while that must have been a really comforting feeling, there must have also been some kind of feeling maybe of guilt to leave behind these people that are trapped. Is that a fair statement? And how did you how did you feel? How did you deal with that? You hit it right with that. Uh, the biggest, and I'm not going to cry. I'm going to do really good. I promise, Nate. No, I don't promise, but I'll try. Uh, yes, the guilt was big. Uh, and, and there's that thing that you hear soldiers talk about a lot. When they see a a, a friend die in combat, why, did, why was I spared? Why am I getting out? My roommate not getting out because she wasn't scheduled to leave until October 30th. So she didn't have a plane ticket out. She didn't have a reservation. She's still there right now. And um, I just heard this morning that more bombs were falling and one had possibly hit near Yad Vashem in Jerusalem. So I, I was on a, a prayer call, a global prayer call. Uh, and as we were involved in that prayer call, the bombs were falling and they, they had heard them outside their windows. So um, there's a lot, there's I just, if I could go back now and know that I would be helpful, I'd leave in a heartbeat. Mm. Um, but I can only do what I can do. And that is to pray for the people to put myself before their God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and, and ask for his mercies and his protection on them. And to uh, talk wherever I get a chance to about what's going on there and encourage people and and especially people who are wrapped up in, you know, the best thing that these people that that uh, want to free Palestine could do would be to free the Palestinians from the Hamas. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm for free Palestine. Free them from Hamas. Hamas is putting them in harm's way and choosing to hide behind them 
as shields, not even letting them leave when Israel's calling for them to leave before the worst hits, sending pamphlets, doing everything they can to get them out. And the Hamas want to keep them there so that they can flood the media with word of how horrible Israel is to kill these little children and, and innocent people. So evil's got to be dealt with, and innocent people are always going to be the ones who suffer the most. Mm. Terrible situation, horribly tragic, and and I I really greatly appreciate your insight into what you experienced and ultimately now how you're dealing with it and coping with it. Um, We've mentioned Deitra McGee, uh, Reaching for Life, Inc., is the nonprofit. That's your 501c3 uh, you you help people through education to enrich lives through education and opportunity, develop emotional intelligence skills. We've linked you in the show notes if people want to go learn more about your your charity. I, I want to finish it off because you did say say a prayer. So I figured it, it, maybe this would be a perfect time for with someone like yourself. Why don't you finish us off, uh, Deidre, with a prayer for Israel and, and everyone that's looking for justice and prosperity throughout the world? And Nate, I would be honored to do that. Thank you. Father God Almighty, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of who I believe is the Messiah, Lord Jesus. Father God, we come before you, the only one who can be God, because you are the only God. And we just praise you for your nation of Israel. We praise you for all the other nations of the world that you have enabled us to love you. Because of what Israel has done for us, Lord, you chose them, small as they are. You chose them because you choose to choose to choose them. You decided this little nation was who you would make your home with eternally in Jerusalem. Lord God Almighty, protect this nation. Take the harm away. Raise up now people like Rahab was who put her life on the line from inside to spare those who were coming to redeem the people. Lord God, your will be done in all things. We know that it ultimately will be, but we know there's evil in the world. And Lord, I help you, pray that you would help us to stand up against the evil. Help us to promote your word, your love, your mercy, your grace, your justice, your wrath against evil. Lord, we just lift up these soldiers. We ask you to protect them, the men and women that we we saw so many of them in the shelter, these young kids, and then the, the older soldiers, Father. Just protect them, guard them, give them victory in your way. Lord, thank you for Nate and this podcast, and I ask you to bless his work, bless his help toward Israel also, bless his family. In Jesus' name, amen.